Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971. Directed by Pierce Haggard, written by Robert Wynn Simmons and Pierce Haggard, starring Linda Hayden, Patrick Weimark, Barry Andrews, and Michelle Dautrous, and in this film, a 17th or 18th century English village is plagued by mysterious events that may be linked to the recent unearthing of some remains that don't look quite human. Everywhere I looked, it was either 17th century or 18th century. I'm not sure which is true. If you're new to the show, we're going to talk about this movie spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but after that, we're going to take a little break and play some transition music, and after that music, we're going to start to spoil things, so that is the time to duck out and go watch this if you haven't already. Uh, This is a folk horror film, Ashwin. Yeah, why? Why do you think uh, folk horror is a genre? Like, who who's out there asking for uh, folk horror? Well, no one was asking, but <laughs> Pierce Haggard gave it to us. He, I think, is really the one who coined the term. Oh, okay, got it. Um, Fangoria interviewed him in two thousand four, and he said that when he made the Blood on Satan's Claw, he was trying to make a folk horror film. Oh, that's so interesting because a lot of these movies came out like way long time ago. So that, that term didn't come out till mid-2004? I don't think it was in the lexicon until at least 2004. But what really like brought it out into the light was a 2010 episode of a show, a British TV show, show called A History of Horror mm-hmm. with host Mark Gatiss. And Gatiss says... Um, you know, there's this loose collection of films that shared a common obsession with the British landscape, its folklore, and its superstitions. And he mentions The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971, Witchfinder mm-hmm. General from 68, and The Wicker Man from 73. And Gatiss calls them folk horror, but really he's referencing that interview with Piers Haggard. So uh-huh. that's when the term folk horror, I think, really got uh, became more popular. But I think it was still... A relatively obscure term, but really Midsommar is what rocketed folk horror into a thing people say and act like they know what it is. Oh, interesting. So Midsommar would fall into this genre? Yeah, Midsommar is definitely folk horror, and honestly, Midsommar is probably the only reason a lot of horror fans, probably including us, even know what folk horror is. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I thought folk horror like would have to take place in like the 17th or 18th, like, yeah, just a long time ago. So Midsommar being more of like a present-day film, that's not outside of the definition then? I don't think so. I mean, the definition Gatisse gave in that episode was, you know, the British landscape, its folklore, and its superstitions. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have gone on to expand on that. Another popular uh, definition comes from Adam Scovell, writing for the British Film Institute in 2016. Um, and he gave a good summarization. He wasn't describing folk horror specifically, but he was describing those three movies which have become known as the unholy trinity of folk horror. And he says all three films work through an emphasis on landscape which subsequently isolates its communities and individuals, skewing the dominant moral and theological systems enough to cause violence, human sacrifices, torture, and even demonic and supernatural summonings. Interesting. I think, to me, that's a pretty good definition of folk horror. That's pretty good, man. But I I don't know. uh, For some reason, 
Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. You know, like the, the the witch, like I feel like is is really close to these three films, but I guess that takes place in America, right? So that yes, would... but I think that you know the that folk horror term it was used to originally describe these three films, but you know it has become expanded and language kind of becomes property of the people and yeah, it evolves, you know. But I think the witch still counts. Hmm. Um, okay, but I think there are a lot of movies that we put the folk horror tag on that really I don't think are quite right. Yeah, right. Like my own personal folk horror criteria I think would be some form of paganism has to be involved, whether mm-hmm. it be witchcraft or um just like older religions like Wicker Man, um like earth worshiping type stuff. Yeah. It's got to be a period piece or involve a culture that lives as if they are not in modern times. Mm-hmm. Like living off the land to some extent, so Midsommar would count. Uh, the horror elements are not restricted to the nighttime. Mm, daytime horror. And the, the ecosystem, whether it be like pastures or woods, needs to be in the frame a decent amount of the time. <laughs> and whatever you want to qualify as decent amount. Yeah, you got to get those pastures in. <laughs> it's got to be a little bit outdoorsy, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, a folk horror can't take place in an office building. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that, I think you're describing uh, what these three movies definitely like. Yeah, where they play. Yeah, what do, what's your vibe on the like this genre? That uh, folk horror, like, do you like it? Do you seek it out? Are you interested in it? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I, I can't imagine someone out there like likes that genre. But if you're tying it to like some of these newer movies, which have elements of it, then I can kind of understand the appeal of it a little bit more. But like these three films that we've seen, like dating back to the 70s, 60s, uh, the the Trinity film, like, yeah, it's just hard for me to imagine audiences like wanting to see this type of movie like show me something from the 17th 18th century in these remote villages uh that are yeah just about like witches or um the the idea of like yeah the society at that time uh just doesn't seem like a a natural uh thing people would want to see when it comes to horror so i I I guess i'm kind of shocked that it was even a thing back then yeah i mean i don't think it was a I don't know that many of them were particularly popular with audiences at the time. I think some of them were popular critically. Um, this film specifically was uh, underperformed at the box office, and it was pulled from English theaters after one week. Wow. Um, yeah. I couldn't find a record of the U.S. box office number, but it sounds like in the U.S. it was more of an obscure drive-in flick than a any form of anything close to a wide release. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine this being a wild release. And it sounds like a lot of the inspiration to this was the, the studio had done the, the same studio had done Witchfinder's General, right? Correct. Yeah. And was yep. that was that like a big hit? It wasn't a big hit, but I think it was a bit of a critical darling. Oh, okay, okay. From so what they, I remember, it wasn't a big hit, but I can't remember. We have done an episode on Witchfinder General, and we we talked about uh, Wicker Man, but that wasn't uh, an official episode. Yeah. Um, are, are you into like these films? Yes and no, man. I, I thought The Wicker Man was great. Yeah. I wasn't into Witchfinder General. I love The Witch. I'm not a fan of Midsommar, so I'm hit or miss with these. Yeah, and Wicker Man, uh, That what what time period did that take place in? That took place in like the the time of the movie. That took place theoretically in what, whenever it was shot, 1970. Like 60, 70, something, right? Yeah. Two or whatever when it, when it was filmed. Right, right. Um, so, but 
but that falls in with my criteria of a culture that lives as if they're not in modern times. He goes to Summer Isle and people yeah. there don't live like they do in the rest of society. You ever see The Village by M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, man, I still have never seen The Village. Oh, okay. Because I, I feel like the, the what you're describing, people living like in a different time, uh, The Village kind of challenges that uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, we should, we should watch that at some point. Yeah, maybe that could be a folk horror. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. But it's interesting that you're talking about whether or not audiences are into that or not, because in um, that History of Horror TV show with Mark Atiz, he talks about these three films kind of being the the final fling of British horror and like the death rattle of British horror oh. to an extent. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it was basically the end, like Hammer Horror was British, mm-hmm. and Hammer Horror cycle was really declining at this time frame like it was petering out they weren't making as high quality or as popular films and they completely shut down in 1979 okay um they'd resurrect themselves in 2007 and they've made a few notable films lately like let me in the woman in black in the lodge mm-hmm. um but anyway the reason i'm talking about hammer horror is because this was markety says like really the end of british horror cinema Oh, okay. <laughs> as far as anybody knows that. I mean, not anymore, but yeah, they were they were really uh, going through a great period there with Hammer Horror from the 50s through 70s, and the, yeah. this was the end. Yeah, yeah, that's believable. I, I kind of struggle putting Wicker Man uh, with which I feel like Witchfinder General and this film are, are like definitely really similar. You can tie the, the same time period, all the pastures you're talking about, um, some like thematically. Uh, Wicker Man just, yeah, I don't know if it's because it's a more modern day setting, but it, it feels uh, a lot different than these two. I think this one actually feels more like Wicker Man than Witchfinder General. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. From like a story perspective? Yeah, I think from story perspective, like having to do with, um, hmm, I don't know, man, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. We might yeah. get into spoilers if we talk about it too much now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess for Command, like, you have, like, your one main character, and he's kind of like a detective that's going through uh, and, like, you know, coming across crazy things. Um, with Witchfinder and this one, I don't know. Like, it seems like a, a lot higher, maybe, person count characters. Uh, yes. Yeah, there are far more characters. But the Wicker, the Witchfinder General is more like a specific human villain, and... Wicker Man and the Blood on Satan's Claw are more about what's happening to a community. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah, at the, at the time this was released, it had middling reviews from critics, um, but it's got a 73 right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And a 58 from users. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of built like a cult following over the years. It has, yeah. And I mean, ever since it was kind of lumped in with Witchfinder General and the Wicker Man, like that's probably the best thing that could happen to this movie. You know, yeah. it's now these this, these are the unholy trinity of folk horror, and and people watch it to be a completist, and because it has historical significance now. Sure. Yep. Um, and the script was initially an anthology film with three separate stories about a single village. Uh, one of the stories has some kids unearthing something strange. One of the stories is about a woman's abusive aunt who locks her in the attic, and one is about a man who cuts off his own hand, which he thinks is possessed by a demon. And those were all 
smushed together, Piers Haggard worked with Robert Wynn Simmons to weave it all into one cohesive narrative. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. It like, makes this, a lot of sense. Doesn't it? <laughs> and, and I feel like individually, those three stories, uh, they're, they're kind of cool. I would have been interested to see this as an anthology film. Right, I'm not sure same. if it it could have been a stronger story. I think so, too. a stronger too. film. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because you can still see the remnants. You know, they didn't they didn't really weave it together seamlessly. There are characters <laughs> that just kind of drop off and you... It, when you read that, you're like, oh, this oh, is why. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that explains so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious why why they thought the, they needed to do a full film. I don't, I don't know, maybe anthologies weren't popular back then or something. Uh, it's, uh, I'm surprised. I think they were, and I think there was a British film studio called Amicus that had had some success with uh, anthologies. I think that's oh. maybe why he was, he was working on that. I think oh, it was okay. at the bidding of... Uh, it might have been at the bidding of the production company. I can't remember. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah. today, if you had a movie, or if you had an idea for an anthology, you had like three stories uh, that were like kind of compelling, and they wanted you to make like one movie on, on uh, wouldn't your approach be like pick the strongest story and build that one out versus let's tie it all together into one story? I think you'd almost have to. Like, Yeah, it's it's strange. I, ha- I don't remember coming across many origin stories for movies that, that were like that. <laughs> and then anthology turned yeah. into a complete film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a recipe for... I guess it can make sense if it's all taking place within the same setting, but yeah, even mm-hmm. so. Yeah. That's a bit yeah. much. Right. Um, speaking of Hammer Horror, uh, Christopher Lee was considered for the role of the judge in this movie, but his fee was too high. Hmm. And Peter Cushing was also considered, but he turned it down as his wife was very ill. And she actually, unfortunately, died the year this film was released. Ah, tragic. Yeah. And then um, Linda Hayden, who played Angel, was in, starred with Christopher Lee in Taste of Blood of, Taste the Blood of Dracula from 1970. That was a hammer horror film. Ah, okay. Interesting. And, and the guy who did end up taking the judge's role, I think he, this was his last movie too, right? You might have, oh, like, was died. it? Okay, I didn't see that. I think he died shortly afterwards. Oh, bummer. Patrick Weimark? Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, I didn't dig too far into people's uh, filmographies here, but Pierce Haggard hadn't really made any other films I was familiar with, and mm-hmm. it seems like the other actors weren't really... Maybe they're bigger in English, British cinema, but I wasn't too familiar with their work. Did you find yourself doing any math in this film? Doing any math? Yeah. <laughs> like the ages of people? Yeah. <laughs> um, in what ways? To find out. Like, is it okay to be seeing this person naked? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you did I mean, it, right? the, the actor's age probably was too young for us to be seeing naked. I mean, the character, but not the actor. Uh, oh, the, the, uh, that, the actor's age was... Uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking about... Um, did you oh. research like what the age of the actor of uh, uh, the actors Hayden, were? Right? Yeah. So was Lynn, she too young? She was. Yeah. <laughs> they, oh when no! They, when they when they shot that scene, she was definitely sixteen or seventeen. Because uh, yeah, I looked up her birth year, and then like yeah, what year? I think the year the movie came out, she turned eighteen. But a lot of the shooting of the film, which I yeah, it's it's it is what it is. But uh, that was a little disturbing. Oh wow. Wow, I didn't even think to look into that. I just assumed everything was on the up and up. Oh, yeah. I know, right? Everything's above board here. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, she was born in January of 1953, mm-hmm. so she would have turned 18 in January of 1971, but, hmm, interesting. Yeah. but I think this film was shot in 1970. I think you're right. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> appropriate, appropriate response. <laughs> oh, man, I, yeah, I don't know. Friday the 13th Part 2 situation. Oh yeah, yeah I know. Uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that illegal? Yes, yes it is. Oh, okay. I, I, well, I, I, maybe in the UK the the rules might be different, or, or back then maybe I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. I would think even back then it wasn't okay, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. I can't say I'm familiar with British law in the early seventies. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, any other background info on this movie, or should we get to uh, the plot and s- start spoiling some things? 80,000-pound uh, budget, uh, do you, any idea on the return? I, I, don't, I doubt it was too successful, right? Yeah, I don't know how... Um, I don't know where the return was. We didn't really get that. That information isn't really out there on the Internet that I could find. Okay. Um, but then, I thought you should know that 82,000 pounds in 1971 is equivalent to 1.4 million in today's U.S. dollars. Oh, interesting. So what do you think? Low budget or not? Yeah, no, I guess. low budget, but oh, not okay. shoestring. Okay, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, I, I saw in the U.K. it passed with like an X rating, and then they kind of like changed the lighting up for the U.S. to get, get, the, get it down to an R rating. Yeah, I didn't. I I never understand if what I'm watching is the the cut version or if it's been released in its like more unadulterated form. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, we do. See, I know they cut back some of the nudity with Angel, but we we see her full frontal for quite a while. Right. Yep. But it yep. sounds like there was also a fellatio scene that was cut. I never even picked up on that scene being in there. So. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. So maybe we did see a a more dialed back version. Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, that's um, all the background I got. You, you got the Ohio Connection? I got the Ohio Connection. Our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. Swing by Jukebox if you're in the area. And Alex says, The Blood on Satan's Claw is a 1971 British supernatural horror film about residents of an 18th century English village whose youth fall under the influence of a demonic presence. Due to graphic sex and perceived salacious nudity, the film was originally released with an X rating. There we go. Hmm. Though the film has since been recut and modified in parts, it didn't receive a VHS release until 1985. In 2013, UK's Odeon Entertainment acquired the rights to release it for the first time on Blu-ray. Odeon has been pivotal in their mastering of old films. Their catalog includes Holiday Affair, Nightmare Alley, Tommy, and 1947's Conquered, a film by legendary filmmaker Cecil B. DeMille about post-French and Indian War frontiersmen living in the Ohio Valley. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Very good, very good. He's yeah, been nice going uh, above and beyond on these connections. Yeah, yes, great job, Alex. Okay, man, well, let's do our plot walkthrough and review the film. So here come the spoilers, everybody. But, Ash, before we move on, um, I feel something strange on the top of my head. Do you mind if I go... Have a look in the mirror real quick. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay.
Okay, man, I'm back, and I've got hey. great news. Oh, what happened? So after nearly a decade of being a bald man, I'm growing new hair on my head, man. This oh, is so exciting. That's awesome, man. <laughs> how, how, yeah. Any idea what what caused it or how, how you did it? I don't know, man. I think... Oh, shoot, you know what, dude? You don't think it's the devil's skin, do you? <laughs> it's like one way to find out. You, you have a knife? I mean, hair doesn't just grow back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got to cut this off, don't I? Shit. Uh, I would keep it, man. It's probably worth it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, might as well. <laughs> Continue living as a bald man or give myself over to Satan himself. Yeah. <laughs> Small price to pay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this movie opens with a plowboy named Ralph who is working in the fields in 17th to 18th century England. When turning the soil, he unearths a unique-looking skeleton with an eyeball in it, and he runs to go tell this to the local judge, but the judge doesn't believe him. Uh, Ralph, however, really believes he's truly uncovered something inhuman and important. We've also got a parallel story where this young man named Peter arrives home to introduce his fiance to his aunt, and the aunt really treats her like shit because apparently this young woman is pregnant and they're not married yet. This is all happening within the same tiny village. Wait, she was pregnant? I think it was alluded to that she was pregnant. Oh, uh, okay. Um, they put the future niece-in-law in this old room in the attic. They kind of stick her with a raw deal, a crappy room in the house. And she sees something in there that disturbs her. We, as the viewer, are not privy to what she sees. But she starts going berserk, and the aunt and uncle literally board her up in the room with hammer and nails. And she's eventually hauled off to the nut house while her fiancé, Peter, stands by, kind of upset, but not quite as upset as one would expect. <laughs> um and as she's taken away, she gives him a look that's actually kind of creepy, and, and it's the first moment where this starts to feel like a horror movie, and Peter notices here that she's got claws for fingers. Man, I, I loved that uh, scene of her, like, yeah, walking out, claws on the fingers, the way the strings are going, the looks that she's giving. That was, I thought that was great. What did, what did you think? I think so, too, and I think you brought up a real strength of this movie. The score really serves the film. It's uh, mm -hmm. a good score, really accentuates the horror. At, at, yeah, it, it makes the movie a little bit better than it would be without it. Right, yeah. I mean, theoretically, every score should do that, but it's it's a strong suit. It is. What do you think of the movie so far as a whole? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into it. Like, I, I thought the, 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 the sequencing so far is cool. Like, you have this ominous discovery. You have uh, someone, like, freaking out by something that you haven't been able to see yet. But uh, the way, like, she's, like, was set up was cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was into it so far. What about you? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty into it, too. I feel like sometimes this... I don't know if it's just my imagination. I probably got to watch more movies to see if this makes sense. But the movies from, like the f maybe late 50s to early 70s especially in british horror it feels like very rigid and kind of i don't know like tempted to call it like um what was the word i'm looking for um like are you talking about like the dialogue like in terms of like how they talk to each other yeah and just like, like how they stand how they act it feels like a period in time between like acting styles like sure we're not quite at naturalistic acting yet but people aren't quite acting like they're on stage either like hmm. it's kind of like this awkward moment in time where film is between like it's more theatrical roots and like realism oh sure right right yeah yeah i know what you mean 
Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a it's a distinct feel of every movie from this time period to me. At and least did, uh, like hammer horror type stuff in British film. And you felt that in this one so far as well. I did. Yeah. 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 Okay. You get used to it, but it's yeah. It's not necessarily characters on a set like where it's like a stage play, um, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily as free flowing and as natural as a modern film. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hear. I I can't tell. Uh, I guess I struggle with this one because I can't tell if there, if that's a more of a a result of like the time period this movie is supposed to be taking in, and and them trying to like play like people in the seventeenth century, or if yeah, to your point, maybe it's like people in the sixties, seventies, and this is like how they acted. Right. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but after the fiance is taken away and Peter is mourning her being hauled out of there he's in the room she stayed in and he notices a floorboard popping up by itself he reaches down to see what's going on when something grabs him and tries to pull him down and it is soon revealed that it is a is a beastly paw that's got a hold of him uh he eventually gets away and retreats to the bed i felt like this was maybe a little silly it looked like a sloth hand oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the, the light, it was so hard to see. Like, I feel like the lighting was pretty dark. You can, uh, and, and maybe the editing or whatever, uh, like, you couldn't see it really well, could you? I felt like you could. Interesting. Oh, like the black claw, like, you, you felt like you could see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a big oh, paw. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, things get a little bit less silly, though, because he awakes from his sleeping in this bed to discover that the claw is pulling at his shirt and trying to strangle him. And he manages to get a pair of scissors from the nightstand and stab the like paw repeatedly. But it's soon revealed that the claw, paw, whatever, was his own hand, and he has now cut his own hand off. So kind of a disturbing moment here. And I'm going to uh, try to uh, weave a biblical thread throughout this film, and I'm going to take this as my first point. Mm-hmm. There's a Bible quote in Matthew uh, 5.30, and it says, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So you can save yourself by getting rid of your right hand? Yeah. Yeah, basically, like, if your right hand sins, cut it off. That seems like uh, it's targeted towards uh, masturbation or something, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could weave into the theme as well. We'll, we'll keep talking about things. Okay. Um, meanwhile, we've got some strange things going on at the village school. A teenage girl named Angel has discovered a strange claw in the fields that she's secretly passing around at school before being reprimanded by their teacher, the Reverend. Hey, was and that eventually claw- as the days. Oh, go oh, ahead. Was that claw different from what that dude at the Ralph at the beginning found? I think it was maybe from the same corpse, but I'm oh, not sure. Okay. okay. Got it. Um, eventually, as the days go on, the Reverend notices that less and less of the children are showing up for school. And uh, it's clear something's going on in the town. And the local judge, who seems skeptical at first, says he must go away, but he'll be back. And he borrows a book about witchcraft. And instructs the people of the village that even while people die, you must be patient. Only then can the whole evil be extinguished. You must let it grow. What did you make of that? I don't know why he said that. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if he was like, I, I kind of like thought he was maybe in on something. 
or like he was uh yeah somehow affiliated with like the demonic thing that was going to be taking over like he knew what was going to happen and uh or that or it was like a parallel to like the plague the plague and uh sometimes like yeah you just all have to die and uh just stay here and don't like go around infecting other towns or something so i i was kind of confused but what do you think Oh man, you could even tie that to like anti-vaxxers these days, right? <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, I, I definitely got a sense of like, uh, wow, this kind of like t- mimics a lot of the dialogue we have today around like, especially like when when like people are starting to get ill in this one, like that one woman who got scratched and then she was in bed and like the doctors there, um, and they're trying to like figure out what it is. Like, yeah, kind of reminded me of like what's going on today. Right. Yeah. He's uh That's a interesting line. That yeah, you must. Uh, let it grow. Only then can it be extinguished. Yeah. <laughs> right. Interesting. Exactly. Okay, so the judge is an anti-vaxxer. We know that. Yeah, we've established that, yeah. What did, what did you think um, of what was going on here? I didn't really know why he said that. His whole character just seemed off to me, and I, I kind of reasoned after I learned about the origin of the script that maybe he was just a way for these, mo- these separate stories to have a common thread. He was like yeah. the glue that held it all together, so he was kind of like a shoehorned character that didn't necessarily have a whole lot of logic to him that makes a lot of sense yeah uh yeah because he's like the one like a consistent piece um yeah but yeah I, I i didn't like him though did you like him no no i didn't think he was a good character or necessarily a very good actor either yeah and it, you can't tell at this point like is he a good guy or a bad guy right like is he like one of those judges like from Witchfinder general like is he a guy in power who's going to abuse his power or is he like some kind of trustworthy uh, person, which yeah, I, I did. Did you have a clear sense on that at this point? I didn't, and then he goes away, so he's kind of out of the mix, and you're not really sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but while he's gone, we continue to see how the rest of the village is affected by the strange things going on. There's a boy in the village named Mark who is asked by two random girls at the window of his house to come and play, and they play a blindfold game with a bunch of other kids at some old ruins. Uh, but we see Angel, that girl who found the claw lurking in the background, and she presumably strangles him. We get like the almost strangle shot before the camera cuts to something else. I thought um, it was really cool how they showed Angel in the background. Well, like yeah, it was like, kind of creepy. She's just like kind of buried back there for you to find. Yeah, that was neat. That was cool. Um, and his mom later finds him dead in, in this woodshed after some cackling kid tells her that he's there. Um, so it's starting to become clear that all the children in town are in on some weird shit. Mm -hmm. Um, to add to some possible religious themes here, um, Mark, before he's lured away by two girls, uh, he's given an apple by his mom shortly before, before they lure him into their like den of sin and kill him. And I didn't know if this could be a parallel for Adam's fall from grace in the garden of Eden when Eve offers him the apple. Mm, wow. I, yeah. I might be reaching for that one, but No, that sounds uh th- th- yeah, that explains it. That's pretty good. Um Angel pays the reverend their teacher a visit and she takes her clothes off and tries to seduce him. This is the woman who Ashwin said was probably 17 at the time they shot this. Mm-hmm. And she tells him of that boy that just died. Little Mark had the devil in him, so we cut it out. Um that's another support for my connection to that Matthew verse cutting off that right hand Mm. um after mark's funeral angel then frames the reverend and says that he told her to take off her dress or he'd do the same thing to her that he did to mark 
So some dudes from the town tie up the reverend and take him away. And then later, Mark's older sister is off playing with some kids, and they lure her back to these ruins where she's raped and murdered by Angel, who smells... Well, she's raped by some dude, and then Angel murders her, and Angel smells and licks her blood after stabbing her repeatedly. And before she's killed, it's revealed she has some strange patch of fur on her back that they cut off of her. Yeah, what was that? That's the devil skin we later learn. Oh, yeah, but why did uh, this girl have it? I don't know. I'm not sure who has it and why. And it almost seems like both her and Mark had a pain in their side right before um, they were killed. So mm-hmm. I don't know if Angel is somehow like psychically giving them the de- devil's skin. Okay. Or if, I don't know, the devil just randomly chooses them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Did this remind you of Midsommar with the sex? I mean, it's a rape scene here. I guess yeah. you could argue maybe it's a rape scene in Midsommar too, but... Everyone's kind of looking on in uh, giddy pleasure while they're while they're doing it. It's very uh, dark and much more or less much less comedic than the scene in Midsommar. But <laughs> I couldn't help wondering if this was an influence on that scene. Yeah, yeah, no, th- this felt like totally uh, so different. Like this was like straight up rape, and uh, I assume like ca- the character she was playing is like an uh, underage person who's being like uh yeah taken advantage of like by this crowd and the crowd is so interesting like it's a mix of kids and like then some like random old people too yeah Uh, a couple random olds yeah yeah so it's just i felt like this was really disturbing it kind of uh really made sense about the x rating that this film originally had um because i I felt it was dark and a little hard to watch but yeah you you, you thought you, you saw some similarities here i saw similarities to that scene like everyone's kind of emoting um, accordingly as they watch this rape like oh, yeah. taking their own pleasure in it it just it gave me Midsommar vibes but yeah. um, you're right it's, it's much darker it's it's very disturbing it is yeah um, our plowboy Ralph from the beginning of the film then comes across uh, this girl's dead body and he brings it to the dudes that have the reverend all tied up and he's like hey it's not the reverend, reverend doing these murders but it's actually this girl Angel uh, so Peter, our nephew dude from the beginning that got his hand cut off, goes to London to tell the judge about all this horrible shit happening. And the judge says, I'm ready to return, but rest assured I shall use undreamed of measures. Meanwhile, some random dudes catch one of the girls. Her name is Margaret. She's one of the girls in this cult. And they throw her into the lake to see if she floats or sinks. And Ralph catches them doing it and then takes Margaret to a doctor. This whole scene was apparently put in at the urge of the studio because they wanted uh, more similarities to Witchfinder General. Oh, like saving a, a girl who's been accused of a, as a witch? Yeah, yeah, or just the, the whole accusal of, of a witch and floating and drowning and stuff mm. like that. Okay. So Ralph saves her and brings her to a doctor and they find a patch of fur on her leg and the doctor cuts it off. She regains consciousness and flees and returns to the cult and to Angel. And Angel, once she sees that she's had the fur cut away, leaves her for the dogs who are hunting her to find because Margaret is now useless to Angel at this time. And I think it's around this point in the movie you start to learn that the kids are trying to get uh, a body for the devil or like bring the devil back in an earthly form by cutting off these patches of the devil's skin off of people and offering it to the devil to rebuild his body. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so then Margaret is captured and she reveals to the townspeople that Angel and the cult are performing a ceremony tonight at the ruins of the old church. 
at some point, we also learn that Ralph, the plowboy, now has the devil's skin on his leg. And he, at some point, ends up in the clutches of cults, and he's in the middle of this ceremony that they're about to perform on him. He's trying to cut the skin off his leg on his own as the judge, who's assembled this mob, infiltrates the ceremony and kills Angel. And we now see the demon, this like weird werewolf wendigo-looking thing, or the devil, um, they kill Angel, the judge kills the demon, and Ralph is cured and no longer has the devil's skin on his leg, and the movie ends. <laughs> what did you yeah. think of the conclusion here? I felt like it was kind of rushed and silly, but what did you think? Yeah, really rushed. Uh, I couldn't tell if it was like bad editing or just bad storytelling, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's like so much buildup to like we're going to go, like the, the judge is going to do what it takes. But um, yeah, all he does is he shows up and he and he like stabs that devil thing. I mean that, I mean that that doesn't seem like that drastic. Uh, it was I thought it was cool that they put a face of the devil. I know we just talked about the how I kind of appreciate when they do show something. So that that was kind of a cool like a uh, visual. Um, but yeah, otherwise it, it did feel really rushed and like the end like was kind of abrupt. But w- what did you think? Yeah, I think it was a mix of editing and and just direction itself. It, this whole story was building up to this moment. And then they just come in and dispatch the cult with zero drama. There's not like <laughs> yeah. a, a back and forth or an up and down or a good news, bad news. It's just yeah. in they come and a few flips of the sword and, and everyone's dispatched and Ralph is cured. Yeah. And I think uh, that woman dies though, right? Um, Angel? She kind of runs into a pitchfork or something? Yeah. Angel dies as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So you're yeah right. Again, right. no drama there. No drama. Yeah. Very anticlimactic. You know, it happens so fast. And the judge... Just as the hero and the one who dispatches everybody, it's just kind of lame because, again, he's just such a random character. You don't know what to make of him. He's gone half the movie, and then he just comes back and, yeah, you know, saves swings the, the sword, and the movie's over. I know, I know. I read an alternate ending here uh, where he comes and he murders the whole town. Uh, which yes. I thought that would have been really cool. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, and I think that makes sense probably with the line he utters that that. Uh, I can't Just remember what he let says. Let it grow like, or whatever. Um, oh, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. Rest assured I shall use undreamed of measures. That was probably a line when the original ending was still in place of him <laughs> killing the entire town. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, on that biblical theme, I noticed the two characters that try to rid themselves of the devil's skin or succeed in doing it, Ralph, who tries to cut it off himself, and Peter, who does cut his own hand off, they are two of the youth in the town that actually survive. Oh, yeah, so right. So that may be a, a moral lesson. Like you, you cut the cut the uh, hand off and you save the rest of your body, as as Mark said in his verse. Yeah, good point. Or Matthew, rather. Matthew, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense that they would have tied it back to some of those uh, biblical quotes. And you were talking about masturbation. I think, like, <laughs> puberty could be a theme here. Oh. Like, strange hair growing on all these teens. Strange and, hair growing. you know, the sinfulness of, of the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think it could be a commentary on the inherent sinfulness that comes with puberty. It could be and read we, that way, at least. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because uh, I think there's also a scene where Angel's dad, when he's, like, saying that um, the priest, you know, took advantage of his daughter, like, yeah, I think he says, like, she was bleeding or something, too. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it, 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 you might be right. It might be talking about, like, yeah, uh, going, going through that phase. Yeah, more puberty themes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Piers Haggard says, uh, 
he, when he talks about like this trio of films, he said we were all a little bit. I think he's just talking about the culture at the time in Britain in the '60s. He said we were all a little bit interested in witchcraft. We were all a little bit interested in free love, mm-hmm. and oh, that yeah. made me wonder if this unholy trinity is kind of like a self consciousness about, you know. Th- Maybe the directors and writers' own behavior or where society was at this point in time, like a hesitancy about the free love and like the loss of religion. Mm, um, yeah. Or the loss of Christianity, essentially. Sure. The whole hippie culture and what that represented in society. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I, this is also like, you know, this is, um, I guess, a satanic film. And this was kind of around this wave of satanic films. You had Rosemary's Baby in 68, The Exorcist in 73, and The Omen in 76. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder if these films kind of reflect a, a general, you know, doubt, maybe a self-consciousness or caution about the loss of religion in society. Interesting, yeah. Because apparently between 1958 and 1979, there was a huge decrease in the religiousness of America. I'd have to assume something similar was going on in England, but I'm not sure. Yeah, right, right. So I don't know if this wave of films reflects that or not. I mean, there's no satanic element in Witchfinder General or The Wicker Man, but The Wicker Man definitely has some free love elements in it. Yeah. So you feel like uh, these movies might have like an undertone of like pro-religion? Yeah, and actually, you know, I shouldn't. Satan wasn't involved in the Wicker Man, but it was like very paganism versus Christianity, right? Like, the mm-hmm. dude who was investigating was a devout Christian, and he was just appalled at every all the paganism that was happening. Huh? Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, where was the free love though in in this one? Like, uh, I, I don't know if like I, I know we talked like I mean, yeah, I mean, puberty is like a theme that's like kind of. Uh, being represented here, but I don't think you had characters who were like acting like I feel like everyone was like pretty Puritan in this, right? I mean, obviously, except the devil worshippers, but even the de- de- devil worshippers, they weren't like um, living it up like the way I would imagine of like a, like a, like a hippie type. Would would you, would you think so? Well, I mean, angels stripped naked and tried to seduce the reverend, and um, they like <laughs> raped that one girl in front of everybody, and they all were kind of into it. Yeah, yeah. I'd call it kind of free love in a different sense. There's a rape scene in Witchfinder General, too. Oh, right, right. It's not the free love in, in Wicker Man, like hippie free love. but uh, Right, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know if like I would associate the cult in this film with free love, but I, I don't know. I think you could maybe find a, a puberty and sinfulness of sex theme in the film if you look hard enough. Yeah. Perhaps during, not intentional. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. Yeah. I also wonder if, like, during that same time, that 50s to 70s period is, like, when a lot of, like, cults started popping up, um, like satanic cults or uh, pagan cults or whatever. And um, maybe that's kind of also, like, a, a target of the movie yet. I, I don't know. I haven't tracked the timeline on those. Have you, you have any insight on that? Yeah. I think with that decrease in religiousness, I mean, it's measuring, like, organized religions, you know, like the big ones. So... I think with that decrease in, let's say, Christianity, there was probably some, some hippie free love interest in things like witchcraft, like like Piers Haggard says. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, I think that could these films could be a reflection of that for sure. Yeah. Also, Angel, uh, you know, that name may not be a coincidence either. Like Satan was a fallen angel. So. Oh yeah, good point. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, enough with my uh, trying to read too much into this <laughs> film. What did you think about the movie? 
you know, I, I think that, yeah, there were a few like cool pieces that worked, but overall, and I think this goes back to it being an anthology originally, it felt very disjointed. Uh, so many characters never really kind of cared about any of them. And like for a lot of the film, I wasn't sure who was who, like kind of just like yeah. brought on characters uh, w- without much introduction or anything. And then, uh, yeah, like I didn't feel like the storylines were tied together too well and wasn't a huge fan of the judge's character. And I think there was an opportunity to maybe show um, how maybe like government and in, in their dealing with uh, these kind of like things might be corrupt, but they didn't really go down that angle at all. So uh, I, I don't know. I left a lot of questions in my head. Like, why was this happening? Why did uh, the original woman, uh, Rosalind, in the beginning, why was she... Uh, um, like what, what happened to her? Like what, what was in the attic, uh, versus like, yeah, what's happening to these kids? Like, I didn't really see how this whole thing kind of tied together. So wasn't too big into it. What, what, what about you? Yeah, I had some mixed feelings. I cannot deny any of your complaints. That was my first negative of in my little notes is yeah the the echoes remain at the screenplay's original anthology format and everything feels choppy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. There are definitely times where I couldn't. Ralph and Peter specifically confused me. With, like I had to like yeah. look at their hands to be okay. He's got two hands, <laughs> so that's Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the characters who seem important at the outset of the movie just fall off entirely. Like Peter's fiance and. His aunt, they're just gone from the film. <laughs> the aunt just like goes missing, and like that story's over. Yeah, right. It's pretty odd. Yeah. Um, also, just like the acting wasn't the strongest, and neither was the direction given to the actors. I would have to think because there's Mark's mom specifically. Then Mark's he dies. Then his older sister dies. So both of this woman's kids have been killed. Yeah. Right. And I feel like she sheds. Not a tear. Like she is like the happiest mother. Of <laughs> yeah, two dead she's, children. <laughs> she's just going on with her life. It's just a glaring error in direction. Yeah, adopting um, like a, a demon worshiper, basically. Yeah, yeah, because that's <laughs> where they take, take Margaret to like heal up after they try to drown Margaret. But you know, there's no drama there of like, oh, she's my child now. Like they really could have played up the fact that this woman's undergone a terrible loss, but she yeah. was just like doop de doop de doop. Yeah, exactly. Even Ralph, like, I mean, he was, like, so in love with, I think, uh, her, her daughter, and uh, I don't feel like he, like, really, you don't really, like, see that emotion go through him when he finds out that she's dead. Right, he just, like, finds her dead and almost robotically just takes her to the the people who've got the reverend tied up, like, hey, it's not the reverend. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the love of my life is dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that any of the acting is particularly good, except maybe um, who plays angel uh linda hayden i thought she was pretty good she was good yeah yeah i, I liked her i mean i think she was given the most uh character as well yeah uh, i mean like I, as, as a leader of, of the, that yeah i would have loved to see more of her i do think i eventually became fairly interested in the plot and what was going on with these kids in the woods mm-hmm. i just think it's kind of a creepy and interesting premise and then it led me to realize that teenagers in general are just terrifying yeah, yeah. There's nothing scarier than a group of young adults hanging out in the woods, like killing people. That is that is like a really scary concept. But uh, I just feel like they left a lot of questions though with it. Like, how did these kids become in, involved with this? Uh, what, who was like controlling who got the hair and who didn't get the hair? Um, why was that woman like dancing naked for like ten minutes? Uh, like, you, you don't feel like they had a lot of loose ends there. I do. Wait, who was dancing naked? 
Oh, when when Ralph like for some reason shows up in the middle of like that last scene where like they're all dancing around the fire. Oh, or whatever. right, right, part of the <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> yeah, then there's just like a woman like random like dancing naked in front of him while he's like supposed to cut his uh, leg off or something. There's your free love, bro. Oh wow, that was all free love. You're right. Yeah, shit. I th- I think part of the reason teenagers too are so scary is like their brains are still underdeveloped, but their bodies are like strong and capable of doing whatever they want or so desire and it's, it's just yeah. a little terrifying that's a scary combination <laughs> yeah. so i feel like if you're in a rural village in agrarian times and all the teenagers decide they're in a coven and want to bring the devil back like it's not much you can do about it yeah yeah that on its own is like such a great concept for a film i met i haven't seen children of the corn but is that kind of where that one goes um a similar i think god it's been like 25 years since i saw that at least but they're younger kids from my memory. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, dude, speaking of this, there have been just a crazy amount of carjackings in Minneapolis lately. Mm-hmm. And there was recently an article in the paper that said this is basically just like teenagers doing it to get a, an adrenaline rush, like oh daring each other to do it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Which is like <laughs> a totally, total example of just teenagers being scary. Like, yeah. They just, their brains are doing stupid shit, but they're fully grown and. And scary. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. I, I, that's how I feel every time I go on TikTok. It's like, whoa, this is what's coming after us. <laughs> it's a scary thought. <laughs> There's a scene in Thirty Rock where Liz Lemon's walking down the street and sees like a bunch of teens approaching in a group, and she just goes, <gasps> "Youths!" and hides. <laughs> I know. I mean, in Chicago, there there were like groups of teenagers like that would like cause like random mobs downtown just like for fun, like a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it is it's, it's really scary thought. And you're right. It's like that combination of uh, where, where their head is, and then like yeah, those fully formed bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like we shouldn't say teens have fully formed bodies in a movie where a 17 year old is. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Well, yeah, fully formed body. Um, the score, though, I think we can both agree that was a strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. Score was great. Used very effectively. Yeah. Uh, I really like, kind of fit the vibes of the the film, the timing of it. Uh, yeah, really well done. Yeah, that was done by a guy named Mark Wilkinson. Yeah, great mm-hmm. job. I think that rape scene specifically, the I could have seen that being bungled in this movie where some things were just a little like choppy and weird, but uh, I think the score helped to make that that yeah. moment really land and, and be that disturbing moment that it was supposed to be. Right, right, yeah. It really gave the movie the atmosphere yeah. that it needed. And then, yeah, the conclusion was my other biggest beef. It just... It, everything was re- resolved by a character who was gone half the movie and it just, yeah, wasn't yeah. executed well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I was expecting such a, a bigger, like, kind of showdown there. And uh, and even, like, his weapon, like, it's, like, wrapped, wrapped in a blanket and it's just like a, what was it, like a trident or something? <laughs> what was that? You threw a trident? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember now. Did he just, like, have a pitchfork or something? something but it was like wrapped in a blanket for some reason and then he took it off and he like goes into the crowd oh what do you think of the demon did you like the demon oh it was fine i i didn't really like it yeah i didn't yeah. yeah i thought it, it looked a little silly but um i i didn't hate it sure sure for for 1971 I, i'm not going to complain about it yeah yeah i thought for the time it was, it was kind of a, a decent like kind of cool looking thing yeah um well, I don't have a rating scale. I forgot to make one up, but let's say uh, 
zero to five fully formed teenage bodies would you give this movie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that may be scary or sexy, depending on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think for me, um, I think I'd only give it to uh, fully formed teenage bodies. Uh, just... <laughs> Maybe I should change this scale. <laughs> no, I think that's a good one. <laughs> Pretty appropriate here. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it just felt disjointed and, and yeah, kind of a letdown at the end. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you, like the acting dialogue and not, not all that great. And it would, it would have been cool to take one of these stories and like hash it out a bit more and have a full story behind it. But I, I think the way they did it didn't work out too well. What about you? I feel pretty much the same way as you, but I give it a three out of five because I think some of the creepy moments and the score and just the eeriness of what's going on in the village i was intrigued enough that i enjoyed it and like that that moment you mentioned where angel's just kind of lurking in the background as he plays that yeah. blindfold game that was almost like an easter egg she's so hard to see um yeah stuff like that it, it just it was intriguing to me it was enough to keep me interested but yeah the film had a lot of random uh, i wouldn't call them mistakes just like incoherent things happening Mm -hmm. like yeah it it was definitely weakened by its original form as an anthology and right the acting was bad too so yeah yeah not the best movie as a whole but i was interested enough so i'll throw a three on there yeah yeah it was definitely better than i thought it would be uh and you're right like yeah some of those subtle horror moves i I really like and really appreciated that about older movies like they take their time it's not like so condensed and uh they have like they, they kind of like yeah have these neat little nuances going on in the back yeah, right. There's a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like horror, folk horror for that reason. Um, so I guess I am intrigued by this genre. Oh, oh, you know what's another good one is um, The Ritual. I think The Ritual counts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Apostle is the modern one that I think most fits the definition of mm. folk horror to me. Right, yeah, definitely, definitely. Ritual, I'm surprised because... Uh... Thought there was I don't like want to spoil the ritual by getting into why that's a folk horror, but uh, okay. I think yeah. it counts. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I, I already did. Who knows? No, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with Apostle. Yeah. Uh, Apostle, I wasn't wild about though. But anyway. Same. Um, so yeah, three. I gave it a three. You gave it a two. Two out of five sounds about right. Or 2.5 out of five, rather. Sure. Um, sounds good. Anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no, that's all I got. All right. Well, everybody, that has been our episode on the blood on Satan's claw. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. I forgot to mention, we really we achieved our goal of 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts long ago and, and blew that 2021 goal. Blew right by that. So thank you so much to everyone who has rated us on Apple Podcasts. And apparently that's something you can do on Spotify now, too. I've noticed... You guys are doing that too, so thank you very much. Um, if you want to connect with us, go to horrormovieclub.com. You'll find a contact form there. You'll also find a social links drop down that takes you to our Facebook and Twitter where we announce what movie we'll discuss next week. There's also a link for our Discord server where you can come on and join the discussion that we're having with a bunch of other movie fans and podcast listeners. There's always a good conversation going on there every day. There's been a bunch of watch parties recently, so come on in there and watch some movies with people. Uh, let's see our photo our photo our logo is done by amy may pop art you can go to etsy.com and search amy may pop art find a lot of horror art there you can even find a coaster set that has our logo on it um let's see we've got patreon content if you're interested in that 
There's a big Patreon button on HorrorMovieClub.com. A bunch of bonus episodes out there. Uh, let's see. What else? I think that's about it. You can email us at podcast at HorrorMovieClub.com if you want to. And until next time, if you start growing hair in new places and puberty is long behind you, I'm sorry to tell you that you're going to have to cut the devil out. Even if you've fantasized about this moment for years, you've got to say goodbye <laughs> to that new, beautiful, youthful-looking head of hair. Do you really have to? I mean, like, what's the worst that's going to happen to you? I mean, you're going to be sac- possibly raped in a circle in a ruined church and then sacrificed. Yeah. In short order. <laughs> by a bunch of fully formed teens. Yeah. Not as cool point. as it sounds. Sure. <laughs> Those teens, man. Brutal. <laughs> All fully formed and scary with their stupid child brains. Exactly. 